Ramp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Three o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show here on the flagship home of the Cardinals. 98.7 FM, Arizona sports station. Preseason game number two coming up on Sunday against the Ravens. The 21 straight preseason wins in a row. It's the big one right here. <laughs> this is, man. <laughs> it's incredible a team has won that many preseason games in a row. Well, yesterday we tried to discern what exactly it meant, and we determined it really means absolutely nothing. It's one of the most random, almost meaningless streaks mm. maybe in the history of sports. I think it ends this week. You think so? You think, well, this sure, is, you think this is the week that it comes to a crashing halt? This maybe. Why this not? Is it. And would anybody would anybody shed a tear for it if it did? Probably not even the most ardent fan in Baltimore would even really m- care. Meaningless streaks totally. in the history of sports. Totally. Kyler um, confirmed that he's not, not only going to play this weekend, he's not going to play at all in the preseason. I imagine a lot of the starters are going to be in the same boat, especially when you consider that kind of last year preseason game number three was the one that nobody played in. So I would imagine we're not going to see a lot of starters at all during this preseason cliff, just completely leaning into that. Um, so we get ready. The season... It's just about a month away as the cards get ready to open up against the Kansas City Chiefs. In the meantime, this is an interesting way of looking at the Cardinals. And, and I don't know if we've ever really had this conversation yeah. before necessarily what it means. The cap, how they spend their money, what they choose to prioritize spending their money on is, as you would probably expect if you're a Cardinal fan, very heavy on the offense and not nearly as heavy on the defense. Yeah, they're sixth in the NFL in spending on the offense. They've got 111 uh, $111,729,000 invested into the offense, right? $111 million. So that places them sixth. San Francisco is eighth at $108,551,000. And then you got to go way down to find the Rams offense. The Rams offense is 28th. Only $83,403,000 invested on the offense by the Rams. I'm not putting Seattle in there because we know they're no good and we just don't care. (laughs) So Arizona is sixth, San Francisco is eighth, and the Rams 28th. Only Seattle, Atlanta, Pittsburgh and Chicago spend less on their offense than the Rams do. I found that quite interesting. But then when you go with defense and the amount of money spent on the defense, that's where you see a big difference. The Rams are eighth, spending $102 million. The 49ers are 12th at $97 million. And then the Cardinals are 18th at $84 million. So the Rams are at $102 million. Cardinals are at $84 million. So you start to look at where the money is, how the money is invested. Rams spending a lot more on their defense than their offense. The Cardinals spending a lot more on their offense than their defense. And that's just, you know, is that a Cliff Kingsbury thing? Because I'm building this offense around Kyler Murray. But whatever it is, you can see how the money is allocated offensively and defensively. I find it to be one of the least surprising things about the team, to be honest with you. It, it, you said, it, is this a Cliff Kingsbury thing? I, I think it it almost has to be when you consider the head coach and not that it's up to him. I mean, he's got a general manager. He's got an owner, all of that stuff. Give but, me my weapons. If you want, exactly. you're hiring me you, to, to get this offense to be great. I need I need the weapons. I need, I need, weapons. I need an offensive I need weapons, line. I need yeah. money on the offensive line. I need money at the receiver position. Invest. I need James Conner back because he was such a valuable part. I need Kyler Murray locked up long term. Redo Zach Ertz. He was good for us. Pay him. Pay I mean, Zach Ertz. It, it seems like if you're going to hire a Cliff Kings 
Kingsbury, and I know that hire is four years old, but if you're going to hire Cliff Kingsbury, you're basically saying to the rest of the league, we're going to outscore you. I mean, we're our our vision here is to try to outscore you every Sunday and not necessarily put the emphasis on stopping you from scoring. And so I think because of that, you see the dollars invested on the offense. You see that sort of philosophy from the top down. Not that you're not trying to stop people on defense, but clearly I think the priority with this organization is offense, offensive weapons. That's a Cliff Kingsbury almost fingerprint, if you will, on this team. Yeah, I was just interested in how it just played out because, you know, you look at the defense and they're 18th and then, you know, you look at how the money spent. 15, the most expensive player is is J.J. Watt at 15900000 and then Buda at 14775 No other player is making more than like five and a half million dollars. So when you look at the players, you got J.J. Watt at 15.9, you got booted 14.7. The next highest paid player is Isaiah Simmons. So that, you know, that you, you look at the investment in cap dollars on the roster and it's, you know, it's interesting because you've only got those two players where you've got 24 million on Aaron Donald and 23 million on Jalen Ramsey. You've got Ashawn Robinson at 9.5 and Leonard Floyd at 8 million. And, you know, so the Rams are pretty, pretty top heavy with, you know, with a few players making a whole lot of the money that they spend. Do you think they're getting the bang for their buck on the offense? Um, without looking at stats, because I'll admit, I'm not looking at the stats. I I cheated and I looked at the stats from a year ago, just the basic stuff, uh, yards per game, points per game. All right. Not the advanced DVOA analytical stuff, just the very basic, probably not. Okay. I just, I just, in a, in a general sense, not yet. You don't feel like they're getting the bang for their buck offensively. They averaged last year points per game twenty six point four points per game, which looks like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleventh best in the NFL. Okay, uh, yards per game. They were in the top ten. It looks like they were eighth in yards per game. Eighth in yards per game. Eleventh in points per game. I'm sure there's a myriad of other numbers we could use that would either make a case that they are getting the bang for their buck or they're not getting the bang for their buck perceptually. We feel like they could do better, don't we? The majority of the money, when you look at it, Hopkins at seventeen million. Yeah, I think that they could. To answer your question, then Kyler at twelve million, DJ at twelve million, Rodney Hudson at twelve million, Justin Pugh at seven point five. So your top five guys, you've got three offensive linemen are taking up the majority of your cap dollars. Mm-hmm. So. You've got five players. DeAndre Hopkins, one. Kyler Murray, two. Your next three are offensive linemen, offensive linemen, offensive linemen. Then tight end, and then running back, then offensive linemen. Then, so they're like, you know, you, you know, the AJ Green, not a big investment, $2.2 million. Marquise Brown this year is low. Rondale Moore is low. Andy Isabella, Trey McBride. You start to look at their skill position players, and the only one that's really, you know, breaking the bank on the cap right now is, is DeAndre Hopkins. Well, they, they've almost had to do it that way on the offensive line because they really haven't drafted much on the offensive line the last few years, right? They've had to, they've had to address yeah. the offensive line via free agency or via the trade market. They haven't, they haven't had a lot of homegrown guys on the offensive 
offensive line. Every single one, they've almost had to go Pugh's, out. Pugh's been here for a while, so like he, he has. You know, that was a that was a that was a good signing. It was a good signing, a good but, signing. but they haven't drafted. I, I, I was going to say they haven't drafted well at the position. They haven't drafted the position. They haven't no. drafted no. even a quantity of offensive linemen, let alone a quality of offensive linemen. I mean, Josh Jones a couple of years ago, DJ Humphreys, but they haven't really allocated draft resources to the position, so they've had to spend money on it. I think perceptually, most of us would agree, as good as it's been offensively, it can be better. It should be better when you've got a coach like Cliff Kingsbury, a quarterback like Kyler Murray, the money that's being spent on the offense the way it is. Um, I, I would think bang for your buck, you're getting it defensively. The job that Vance Joseph has done, sure, with the cap allocation yeah. and the dollars the way they are, as good as they've been defensively these last few years, I feel like that's where you're Especially getting... Especially when not as much of your money is allocated to your defense. Yeah, when we come back, we are... Well, I was about to say we're on the edge of our seat waiting for a trade with Kevin Durant. I, I'm not exactly sure that's accurate, but we are wondering who else might get involved in this thing if he is actually going to get moved. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, Kevin Durant, watch the latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. I'm just laughing at the Kevin Durant watch open because there was a couple weeks there where it's like, okay, really? Should we be playing this anymore? We should probably put this one away. And then it's back. Well, the details of his meeting with the owner, Joe Sy, got out and all of a sudden it was like, okay, we're, we're, we're right back in it. Starting to feel like it's fading a little bit. Um, I, I read a story today we'll get into in a minute about typically how long it takes for a superstar like Kevin Durant to get traded after he's requested such a trade. And often Sometimes it can take months. I mean, a lot longer than we've had so far in this situation. But the watch does continue, and the countdown continues until the start of training camp for the Nets, because that's kind of seen as the next sort of pivotal moment in all that's of this. That's the final countdown. It, that, right? It, it, there's no doubt. It, it, is, it is with the burrito and the microwave and you're singing in the break room. Yeah. It is the final countdown, because that's, okay, will he, won't he? Is he going to show up? Is he not going to show up? Will he be there or not? Because right now, every Everybody and, and Windhorse was talking about this either today or yesterday. Look, everybody right now is kind of dug in. The Nets have said we're we're only going to trade you if we get this. And Kevin Durant has said I'm not playing for you unless you get rid of that guy and that guy. Until either of those changes, there's really nothing that can happen, right? I mean, there's both sides are dug into their position. Both sides don't have to change their position. There's no reason for them to do anything about it right now. So we play the waiting game to find out whether Kevin Durant's going to show up for training camp or not in six weeks. Yeah, I think that you're hearing Kevin Durant say like, oh, I'd go to I'd like to play with Marcus Smart. That's nothing more than don't trade Marcus Smart. That's all it is. Right. If I go there, don't trade Marcus Smart. You know, keep Jason Tatum. It's not saying I want to play with Jalen Brown because he knows Brown's got to be part of that package. So we wait this thing out. I, I saw Evan Sittery did a nice job identifying five sleeper teams. He's got Philly in there. He's got New Orleans in there. Surprise, surprise, he's got Chicago and Atlanta and Milwaukee in there, which is really interesting as well. Chicago, I, Atlanta, Atlanta, and Milwaukee. 
Milwaukee. On basketballnews.com, Evan said, are you covered the Suns for a while? Yeah, Milwaukee. I'm just laughing about Milwaukee. Milwaukee would be a disaster. I mean, well, he says Milwaukee is not a destination market for superstars, but Giannis brings enough pull to make it such. Giannis is nowhere close to escaping the prime of his career. Could you imagine him playing next to Durant? Um, just talks about that. Bucks starved of draft capital because of the holiday trade, but Brooklyn would need to believe Middleton could replace Durant long term. So Middleton would be the key player there. Um, talk about Atlanta. Trey Young and DeJounte Murray will bring fireworks to the backcourt. Um, and then with the, with the Bulls, uh, it says DeMar DeRozan is only 11 months younger than Durant, but he's the best chip they could bring forward to Brooklyn. I don't think that Brooklyn would want DeMar DeRozan, and I like Middleton, but I mean, I think that they want younger players, and I think that they have to come back with draft capital in any deal. I think they have to come back with draft capital because – you know, that's that's the easiest thing to give up is a bunch of first-round picks if you're going to be a good basketball team and you're picking past 20 or past 23 or 24. It's easier to say, let me give up this draft capital. Um, that's where the I think the Suns have always been willing to give them whatever they want with the draft picks. But you're not going to get Mikhail and Cam and Dario and somebody else. Like, that's not going to happen. You can't have all of it. You can have some of it, but you can't have all of it. Yeah, it, of those sleeper teams, it's interesting you mentioned the Pelicans is one of them. I'd always kind of thought in the back of my head that that would be a team to fear because they have so much of everything, uh-huh. right? They, they've got the player inventory. They've got the pick inventory. They've got that's a team that if Durant would want to go there and would be cool with going there, I'd be scared of him going there because it feels like they've got the stuff that it would take to pull off a deal. But now this is a report that I just saw about 10 minutes ago. Christian Clark of the New Orleans Times Picayune wrote that the Pelicans, if Durant gets moved, they write, the Pelicans could be players in the sweepstakes, but that would likely require them to surrender Brandon Ingram. League sources say the Pelicans are unwilling to do so. So there's They an, are unwilling to do so. So there's another team that kind of understands what the price of doing business with the Brooklyn Nets would be, and yet they're not willing to do it. Why is that? Is that because they feel like the price will come down? Is that because they're scared of giving up any real assets for a guy who might demand a trade a year from now, two years from now, because he's demonstrated he's kind of a pain in the rear? I mean, it seems like a lot of teams... Jalen Brown so far is by far the best name we've heard affiliated with any Kevin Durant rumor. Everybody else, it seems like, is trying to get by with less than their best. And it's almost... And I can't remember where I read this today. But it's almost like the Nets, in getting that... Okay, so that Boston offer got out there, right? Jalen Brown. And it's almost like the Nets are saying, hey, look, if you don't come at us with your second best player, don't bother. Because we just turned down the Celtics in their second best player. So yeah. Yep. So if you're not coming to us with your second best player, forget it. We're, we're, we're not having a conversation. Now, whether that's going to be the case six weeks from now, I don't know. But right now, they are holding real firm on what they want. And they don't seem to be bending Yeah, on New it. Orleans is not super motivated to get involved. They spent a lot of time on this. Uh, and they kind of feel like only teams that have a reason to trade for Durant are those that can win a title in the next couple of years. So... I don't know, and and I don't believe that they would want to give up the elite talent that they have 
right now. You know, very few teams make sense. Teams with the most to offer have the least reason to acquire them. Young teams with great young assets. That's those teams. So the teams with the most to offer, like a New Orleans, have the least reason to get him because they would have to be giving up all this young talent. Like they don't want to do to give up all the all that those draft picks and all those young players to get him because the window because he's not twenty eight. Because he's not 30. Because he's not 31. So that, you know, that's, and I've checked in with a lot of these teams. I've checked in with these teams, and I I just don't think New Orleans is super motivated to get involved. They've had discussions, but I don't think that they want to give up what it would take to get him. And I think part of this, honestly, is Kevin Durant's own doing. I mean, if we're being honest about it, Kevin Durant has, has demonstrated he's pain. He's difficult to deal with, yeah. right? He's a, he's a guy that he's on your roster. The constant coddling, the constant we're going to make you happy, we're going to give you everything you want. Brooklyn did it for three years, and even that wasn't enough. He still wanted out, right? So if your team, be it the Suns, the Pelicans, the Celtics, whomever, and you're talking about giving up a bunch of stuff to get them, you've got to be careful and willing to do that because you might have this same problem on your hands the Brooklyn Nets have a year from now. The other thing I was told is that the Eastern Conference is terrible. You get him, you win the East. The West, that's not so true. Now, if the Suns get him, they probably win. But if Dallas got him, do they win? Does Dallas win? If Memphis gets him, do, do, do they win? So there's several, there's so many good teams in the West. You can make an argument that there's quite a few teams in the West that if they got him, they still may not may not win. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, who are some of the players on this Cardinals roster that could make this Cardinal roster? That could be a challenge for Cliff Kingsbury and company. A couple of names are keeping an eye on. We'll tell you who next on the Burns and Gambo show. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We have, yeah. I think anytime you, you are getting closer to that final cut, guys have a sense of urgency, and, and they've been practicing that way. It's been, been spirited and competitive practices, and um, there's some, some rooms that it's going to be some tough decisions that have to be made. Cliff Kingsbury today on the battles that he has noticed out there at training camp with cutdowns coming. Five guys have already been released. There will be more coming, and then obviously the big cutdown after the third and final preseason game. Um, we know this. We know preseason game number two, Gambo, coming up. Kyler's not going to play. He confirmed he's not going to play in the entire preseason. We assume lots of guys aren't going to play in the preseason. So the focus really comes down to the guys who are and what they can do to keep spots. And, and of course, the two that probably stood out the most from preseason game number one was at the quarterback position and, of course, was Victor Demukeje and, and how those guys played. Where do you want to start? Let's start with Demukeje just because I, I think he played better than – I mean, surely he was fine, but I think Demukeje AJ was the star on, on right. Friday. And, Let's and, talk about him. And, and you start to do the numbers, right? They'll probably keep eight or nine linebackers. And you start to go through, okay, outside linebackers. You got Gardeck. He's going to make the team. Sanders and Thomas are going to make the team, the two rookies. Golden's going to make the team. So that's four, right? That's four. And you, you may keep five outside linebackers. Demu Cage is an outside linebacker. So is Jesse Luketter, and so is Kennard. Not all three of those guys are going to make the team. Then you look inside, you'll have, you know, and Isaiah Simmons will be counted as a linebacker, but you've also got Zavin. 
You got Nick Vigil. You got Zeke Turner. You got Isaiah. Then you've got Joe Walker, Charles Wooten, Ben Neiman. Now, I could, you know, I could, Charles Wooten and Ben Neiman and Joe Walker may not make the team, but Zeke Turner should make it. Isaiah Simmons will make it. Nick Vigil and Zabin will make it. So you start to do the numbers and, you know, you're going to have to cut, like, you know, you look at Demukeji and I'm excited. Sixth round pick out of Duke. Going into camp, he was absolutely battling for a spot on this roster. Sure. So, like, this is where, like, these games mean something to a guy like that because he's looking at Jesse Lucetta and he's looking at Kennard and these guys are all in the mix. None of those. You're not going to cut Gardeck. You're not going to cut Sanders. You're yeah. not going to cut Thomas. You're not going to cut Golden. They're all outside linebackers. You maybe got room for one more outside linebacker, which is why that performance by Dumukeji was important. And you're not going to cut Zavin and you're not going to cut Vigil and you're not going to cut Isaiah and you're probably not going to cut Zeke Turner. So if you're saying either eight or nine linebackers in totality are going to make this team, there's eight right there that you know are not getting cut. Mm-hmm. All right, there's If you count Zeke Turner as one of the eight, and I do, those are eight guys right there that are not getting cut. Gardeck, uh, Myjay Sanders, Cameron Thomas, Marcus Golden on the outside, Zavin, Vigil, Isaiah, and Zeke Turner on the inside. That's eight. So who's your ninth? Is it Demukeji? Is it Joe Walker? Is it Wooten? or Neiman or whatever. And so we can sit here and say, okay, preseason doesn't matter. And, and yes, the results of the games don't matter. And no, it doesn't matter the Baltimore Ravens have won 21 straight preseason games. It, 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 that doesn't matter. Demu Keiji getting two sacks on Friday matters. Him following that up with another performance like that on Sunday matters. Because if, if it's going to be nine, he's got to be one of the ninth. And it means cutting a guy like like Devon Kennard, potentially, yes. or the battles that he's yes. got with the other guys. It matters very much to Dean Mukherjee, who's sixth-round pick out of Duke, and this is this is kind of his moment to show whether he deserves one of those spots yeah. or not. And that's why you talk about the importance of the... Uh, and I started to go through the, the, the players today at the positions, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, and you see, okay, keep eight, maybe nine, probably nine. You could do that. and So you start to look at it and say, okay, where does Dean Mukherjee fit in? Well, you know that they, you know right away... Gardeck, Sanders, Thomas, and Golden. He's got four guys ahead of him. So they've got to keep five outside linebackers. He's got to beat out Lucetta. He's got to beat out Kennard. So that's where... Like th- that, that, that's an, like if I'm Kennard or Luquette, I'm like, oh man, he just put the pressure on me. Now I got to go do something. Now the inside guys, I think are pretty set with Zabin Collins and Isaiah Simmons and Nick Vigil and Zeke Turner. And I think some of those other guys could have a hard time making the, making the roster because they, you know, if you keep, if you keep nine, I see five outside linebackers and four inside guys. Kingsbury today, I'm sorry, yesterday talked about the leap of Demakeji. Yeah, I wouldn't say just one game. The, the entire camp, he's definitely been a different player. Um, physicality, the quick twitch off the ball continues to, to be disruptive and uh, it was good to see him get those results during the game, but he's been he's been improving each day in camp as well. Kennard would be the interesting one because I yeah. think there's just sort of this assumption that he was going to make the cut. I don't he didn't play on Friday, did he? I don't I have to go back and look at the snap counts to be sure. I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, that he didn't play. I, I'm not, I don't think he played either. I don't I don't think he played. But you can double check if so, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I, I'll, 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 while, while you tell everybody about the quarterback situation, because yeah. that's a that's a different story now. Yeah, I think Connard's injured too. Is I, I, think, I think so. And I, that's what you worry about is like you got to try to keep him healthy so you don't have to do a, you know the injury settlements and I, everything like that. I, yeah, I'm not. I, I, I'm I'm going to profess to not knowing for sure about Devon Connard. 
Bernard's okay. status in, in the preseason so far. I'm not quite sure. McSorley, on the other hand, now again, we're talking about third-string quarterbacks, okay? And when you talk about third-string quarterbacks, if you're going big picture, if you've got to pay play your third-string quarterback more than a game, you're in a lot of trouble, right? You're, you're just digging too far down the depth chart there. But McSorley, 13 for 22, 163 yards, a touchdown. I thought he played well. I thought yeah. there were a couple of passes that could have been picked off that maybe he shouldn't have thrown. But for the I most, liked his pocket presence. I thought so, too. And I liked his awareness to be able to get out and run. He's yeah. got the athleticism to do it if he wants to. If the Cardinals are going to keep three... It becomes kind of a tricky game they're going to have to play with. But they've had three before, right? With Brett Hundley and Chris Strebler, they've always like kept three. Now you got you got a fifty three on the roster, but you only dress forty six guys. So the third quarterback doesn't have to dress unless you know you feel like one of your other two guys is hurt. But if you're on the fifty three man roster, nobody can grab you. Another team can't grab you. Remember last year, the Cardinals put a claim in on a quarterback with Kansas City named Shane Buchel. And he played against the Cardinals in a preseason game. They they claimed him, but then Kansas City was like, I don't want to lose this guy. So they they put him on the active roster, right? They had him on the practice squad, but when Arizona put the claim in on him, they put him on the active roster. If you also remember last year when the Cardinals cut Streveler, that's when they added McSorley off the Ravens practice squad. So a guy on the practice squad is not really protected. So if you like McSorley, and I think Bickley and Murata were talking about this today. Somebody's told me they were talking about this. Like, if you like McSorley, you almost have to have him on a 53-man roster because if you feel like somebody else says, hey, that guy's a better backup quarterback than what I have, if he's on the practice squad, he's not protected. Somebody can claim him. So that's where you start looking. Do you really want to carry three quarterbacks on the roster to make sure that McSorley's protected? It, 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 and it depends on what sort of future you think you have with Trace McSorley. And I, I guess by that, I mean, if you think at some point he could be the heir to the backup quarterback Back position yeah. behind Colt then McCoy, he's worth keeping. then he's probably worth keeping. You know, because we we yeah, third string quarterback. Yeah, you play your third string quarterback, you're kind of screwed. But if you look at him bigger than that, bigger picture than that, then you might decide he's worth keeping around. I don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing. For every game McSorley goes out and play and does well, it makes it tougher to sneak him through the practice squad, right? Like every time if he, he play, if he's playing well, sure. yeah. Every time the team he, says, hey, hey, look at that, he's. He looks good. But if another team, if you try to put him on your, if he gets claimed, that team can't get him and put him on the practice squad. They'd have to keep him on their roster. roster, That's what happened with McSorley last year. The Cardinals claimed him and they kept him on the roster, the 53-man roster. Now, again, you don't have to dress the guy because you only have to dress 46, not 53. But he's going to take a roster spot from somebody else. But he's going to take a roster spot. Exactly. And and if you like him enough that you envision him being your backup a year from now, two years from now, then maybe you do that. Colt McCoy has been a really good backup quarterback to Kyler Murray. I'm very happy with Colt McCoy as the backup. But given his age and his status, that's not going to last forever. And but, maybe- what if, but, what, but as we were talking about, what if not having three quarterbacks allows you to keep I don't know a Canard, an extra like a an Devon extra Canard, linebacker, a Victor an extra cornerback. Absolutely. See, that's the thing you got to think about too. Like that—that's a luxury being able to keep that third guy. If you you know if you feel like look, Kyler Murray's our guy, Colt McCoy's fine. We could easily find another third string quarterback and find somebody on the practice squad. Then you let McSorley go because you might want that extra roster spot for another position. Just because it was driving me crazy, I looked it up. Devon Canard had left with an abdominal strain, 
Uh, he didn't play in the preseason game on yeah, Friday, he, so he's dealing he, with a Donald minor was injury. In practice, right? Yeah, it, it was, was in, a practice. It was like a week and a half ago. Yeah. yeah, when he suffered it. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we are asking your help when it comes to Phoenix Children's Hospital. We want you to become a champion today. We'll tell you how you can do it next on the Burns and Gambo show. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station in the Arizona Sports app. Giveathon on the Burns and Gambo Show. I said, trust me when I say that we here on the Burns and Gambo Show, we get it, right, with what's going on with the economy, with what's going on with inflation. We understand that it's not easy right now. We understand all of that. But every single year, we are tasked with the honor of raising money for the Phoenix Children's Hospital because it's just such an important, valuable part of our community. And what we ask you to do, Gambo, what we're asking everybody out there listening right now to do, I mean, first of all, donate whatever you can if, if you're able to. That's a good point. We appreciate whatever we can get. Every every donation every matters. Every donation matters. When kids have come in with, you know, piggy banks full of coins. I mean, that stuff matters. Yeah, remember the, no, it the, does. the little girl who used to sell the, the jello, jello shots, shots at the, at the NASCAR at the, races? The NASCAR races and the NHRA drag yeah. races and the uh, and she would come in with this big jar of money yeah. that she raised from I the mean, jello shots she sold. Great to see, but you're right. Every single donation matters. It does, but if you're able, the, the best way for you to donate donate is to become a champion of hope. $20 per month and a teddy bear is going to be delivered in your name to a patient who's at the hospital right now. $20 a month. That's one Starbucks per week that you're not getting, right? Yeah. And you know, we're going to give you back a Wildlife World Zoo free kids pass or a free polish and shine car wash at Cobblestone Auto Spa. So you get a little gift back for becoming a champion of hope. Costs nearly $2.5 million per day to run that hospital. It's one of the best in the country. It's one of the best in the world. People from other nations have come here to go to Phoenix Children's Hospital. A resident of every single one of the 50 states of the Union has come to Phoenix Children's Hospital. It matters. It's important. and We'd love for you to get involved by calling the Desert Financial Phone Bank. 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. We also couldn't do it without you, we couldn't do it without the help of our partners as well. And right now, a check presentation from Embry Health Test Now. Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah Bennett, Director of Community Relations and Engagement for Embry Health. Our patients, along with our company, has raised $7,371 for Phoenix Children's Hospital. We are so excited to be here today. Please, please call in at 602-933-4567 and donate. How excited was she? Hannah was fired up. Oh, that is a great go, donation. Hannah. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate She was that. fired up. She was yes, fired please up. call you. in and donate. Yeah, thank you, Hannah. $7,300 plus from Embry Health Test Now. And again, the telephone number, 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. Now, it's time for another story of hope, what Phoenix Children's Hospital is all about. It's presented by Madame Holmes. It's a story about Lucas. Just two weeks before... For his second birthday, Lucas was airlifted to Phoenix Children's in critical condition after an accident in the, yes, the swimming pool at his family's home. Despite the best efforts of his care team at Phoenix Children's, he passed away after several days on life support. This is Lucas's story. I know for me, I thought it 
it couldn't ever happen to me. Like, this isn't going to happen to me. As parents, Anthony and I, we see things different. And um, to be just aware of, I mean, not live in fear, but just be aware that it can. It can happen. The moment when I, when I got the call, my son um, had an accident. We had a, a lot of amazing doctors and nurses, and we have an amazing grief counselor through Phoenix Children's Hospital, Amanda Grace, the music therapist who helped our two daughters through the passing of their brother. A lot of gratefulness, too, for Phoenix Children's and all that they continue to do for the four of us. The comfort for me was having first responders there. Um, it's really given me uh, an appreciation, respect. They're superheroes. And then those out of Phoenix Children's, the strength they have, because um, we're not strong in that. We speak with Amanda just about every other week. When we first started meeting with her, the grief was intense and something we never thought that we would go through. So it was very dark, it felt like, and very lonely. And Amanda just helped us, helped us understand what we were going through and that it was okay what we were going through and how to honor him and remember him to where now that we, you know, we can see light at the end of the tunnel. We even got to go to a um, remembrance for any families who had lost children. And it was incredible for us to go and know that, I mean, because when you lose your child, you feel very alone, but you're not. To know that you're not alone was so helpful. Phoenix Children's put that on. You expect to leave a hospital with your baby, you know, in hand. And I told Anna Sarah when we had that news, and we were gathering our belongings and not our son. We birthed him to heaven. We need to hold our head up high and honor everyone that gave their best. Because this is what is best. was powerful to hear. Yeah, listen, there's no greater pain that can be caused to a person than to bury your own child. There is no greater pain. I mean, you, you'd rather be run over by a train yourself. There is no greater pain that a person can endure than having to bury your own child. Um, so when you hear these stories, they, they carry such a powerful message, and it's you know, it's tough. I was talking with Wolf, and oh, man, he's, he's, the vignettes, they're, they're hard to hear. I mean, they are hard to hear when you hear a family talking about losing their child and birthing their child to heaven and you know that stuff is hard, but it's a powerful message, and I think you know the, the goal of it is to just show the importance of the hospital to everybody listening. To maybe have a few extra people say, "Okay, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of helping those children have a have a fighting chance to to leave the hospital and, and be with their families." Yeah, and to help those parents get through when things don't go the way they want, when things don't go the way they should, and, and that that part of the service is just as essential as it is for Phoenix children. Hospital. A tough story. We hope that you were moved by it, and we hope that you're ready to pick up the
the phone and help out Phoenix Children's Hospital because they need your help. We're going to go into a match right now brought to you by Zia Records. Zia Records is going to match every single donation that comes in in the next several minutes. Even after we go to commercial break here in a couple of minutes, Zia Records will continue their match until the top of the hour. So here's what we'd like you to do on the Burns and Gambo show. If you're a loyal listener to the show or if you're just jumping in every now and then, we want you to call the Desert Financial Phone Bank at 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. Donate what you can, but if you can become a champion of hope, $20 a month and watch as a teddy bear is delivered in your name to one of the kids in the hospital right now. We would really appreciate yeah, it. Call 602-933-4567. Become a champion of hope. That number again, the Desert Financial Phone Bank, 602-933-4567. We're in a match. Every $20 you donate is double to $40. If you make a $100 donation, it's $200. If you make a $500 donation, it's $1,000. We are in a match. Your money is doubled. 602-933-4567. Zia Records is sponsoring the match. Here's the number again one more time for the Desert Financial Phone Bank. 602-933-4567. Have your donation matched right now thanks to Zia Records. Because right now we've already gotten word that we've got enough donations and enough champions of hope that we're firing up the train Teddy Bear Express. So we're sending it upstairs to the Phoenix Children's Hospital. We're on the line with them right now. The donations have come in. Teddy Bears are on their way to the kids at the hospital. But the match continues until the top of the hour, and there's still time for you to get in thanks to Zia Records. 602-933-4567. That's 602-933-4567. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, we turn our attention back to the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury has been called a big winner for his preseason debut. Is he? Plus the latest on Kyler and whether he's going to play this preseason next on the Burns and Gambo Show.